Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In hindsight, do you feel that you did anything wrong by commenting on Davis at the start of the week? And were you surprised by how much reaction those comments generated? Wrong, wrong. Some people think so. Okay. No, I'm, I'm asking you, did, do you think you did? No. Of course not. What did I do? You, you made comments about another team's player, something. Some so what did, I do? what did I do? <laughs> you made comments about but another team's player. But what did I do? Was it right or wrong? I'm asking you your opinion. Were you surprised by how much reaction it of generated? Oh, anything I say would generate something. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where few times I've been around that track, and it's not just going to happen like that, because I ain't no Holland's back girl. I ain't no Holland's back girl. Tommy, are you a Holland's back girl? Hell yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the Lakers are apparently Lionel Holland's back girls because they hired him on to be their assistant coach. But tonight's episode is not going to be about Lionel Hollins, or we'll touch upon him very briefly. Uh, Tonight, we have a special guest on. We've got Sam Vecini of The Athletic, formerly of CBS Sports. He's also the host of the Game Theory podcast to help shed his insight and perspective on the Anthony Davis trade landscape. Obviously, a bunch of new news came out this past week with Sham Charania pretty much saying that David Griffin is open for business. He's listening to Anthony Davis trade requests and whatnot. So Sam comes on to help lend his insight on all those things, including the 2019 NBA draft, who the Lakers should pick at number four, et cetera, et cetera. But before we get to Sam, Tommy, it's been a crazy time. We are about, you know, two and a half weeks away from the NBA draft. And then shortly after that, it's free agency. The finals are going on. The Nets just made a huge move to clear up some cap space, trading away Alan Crabb, giving up their number 17 first round pick this year and a future first rounder just so that they can potentially sign two max players um, if they renounce D'Angelo Russell or have D'Angelo Russell be one of their max players. So big moves are being made as we speak. How are you coping with this? It seems like such a long time till we get there. I mean, it's it's really short in actuality, but with everything that's going on and swirling, how are you coping with the madness right now? I'm going to be honest. I don't think I'm coping very well with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it like like you said. There's it's there's actually not that much time before we'll, we'll at least start to have some degree of resolution. Um, but it just feels like so much waiting and so much sneakiness and so much like misdirection is awaiting us in the next two weeks that it's kind of like stressful you know it's like we're just going to be bombarded with just fake news for left and right and we're just going to have to kind of parse through it and see which ways the the rumor mill is kind of the momentum is kind of going it i mean as silly as it is and there is so much fake news out there it's really like the momentum of the rumor mill is what ultimately usually ends up being correct um, mm-hmm. Like not any one reporter or any one article. It's just like you'll see shifts in sentiments um, on social media and that tends to correlate with things that are actually happening. So it's just kind of stressful following it all because on any given day, you know, it could seem like things are heading one way and then the following day it's like things are heading, you know, the opposite way. It's kind of like the trade deadline, how we felt mm-hmm. around that time. Um, so it's stressful. 
Well, it's going to be worse this time because it's like free agency is contingent upon the draft and everything's stacked up against one another. And then who knows, maybe the 45 inch vertical that we saw from Jared Culver is fake news. We don't know. It may be Lakers propaganda. At this point, anything's fair game. Um, Before I get to your thoughts on the new Lionel Hollins assistant coaching hired by the Lakers, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many tacos LeBron will force Taco Fall to shove down his throat in one sitting after he fails to make a defensive rotation or sets a weak-ass screen after the Lakers sign him as an undrafted free agent. Because every day is Taco Tuesday at that Taco point. Tuesday. Taco Tuesday! Taco <laughs> Tuesday! I feel like Nacho Libre when I do that. Um, yeah. So, so yes, please, please rate interview us on iTunes. Also, if you'd like to help us out financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. We've been pumping out early listens to all of our special guest spots, including the ones with Coles Wicker and this one as well that you're listening to now with Sam Vecini. Um, so you can, yeah, donate a dollar, donate $2, whether it's a one-time donation or a monthly donation, anything helps. Patreon.com slash The Lakers Legacy Podcast. All right, Tommy, before we get to Sam, our talk with Sam, your really quick thoughts on the Lionel Hollins hire. <laughs> as soon as it came across our timeline, the narrative surrounding the Lakers is so toxic and so negative and pessimistic right now that I feel like people are just seeing red all the time, that there's no room anymore for like nuance or maybe some objective context to be put in there because immediately people just want to get so fired up and heated over everything stupid that the Lakers are doing. And it almost has to be like the Lakers traded Anthony Davis for Isaac Bonga for people these days to be like, yay, that's a good thing. You know what I mean? That's that's how I felt because I saw some people like overreacting and going crazy over the fact that we hired Lionel Hollins and here's a third assistant coach who can take Frank Vogel's job and he hates analytics. But quickly, your thoughts on the uh, Lionel Hollins hire. Yeah, the hot takes are truly impressive. I will say <laughs> truly, truly impressive. It, it The Woj thing came out out of the blue. And of course, it's that time of the year. So I'm just like glued on Twitter all day, which is not good for my my uh, mental health. But I, I saw the Woj tweet like the second it came in. And I remember sitting there and there wasn't like a million instant retweets of like, oh, wow, or wow, two head co- former head coaches who've made deep playoff runs, or not deep playoff runs, but who've made the playoffs multiple times are going to be assistants confirmed now. Like no, nothing positive or like good reactions. It was just kind of like 10 minutes of silence that I took <laughs> as all the trolls taking their time trying to figure out how are they going to spin this in a negative way. How am I going to get mad about this? It, it's like this is – it's so – it's becoming like so – what we're doing is so unob- – like even when we do unobjectionable things, it's like you said, the sentiment is so toxic and not – I'm not even talking about the team itself, because God knows, they all seem to actually be doing fine. <laughs> you know, by <laughs> public appearances, it's everybody surrounding them, talking about, pointing the finger at them and, and saying, look how toxic they are. You know, it's so weird. Um, I, I think, like, some of the hot take, like, headlines that were cut and paste um, all over Twitter today were, you know... Lionel Hollins has a problem with uh, analytics. That was a headline from an article that was written in 2013. Okay. I, I, yeah. It would it be nice if it said he's one of the leaders in analytics. <laughs> you, you sure. But like, also, are you saying we can't accept a world where in six years, like the last six years, which have been so like heavily analytics driven and like, it's really expanded during that time. You, we can't accept that somebody might have changed their viewpoint slightly. You know, that's number yeah. one. Number two is he's not our head coach, and our head coach has indicated a strong, you know, um, uh, positive feelings about analytics. And and it's you know there was another thing about how like a, a, another headline that was going around like L- Lionel Holland's laughs at analytics or something like that. <laughs> and it's like when you click the article and read it, it's like 
he said, yeah, you know, when I look at what he was talking about was when he looks at those like ESPN preseason projections or like, you know, those any simulate a season type of things where it's like they take all of your players and run some sort of formula to estimate how many wins that team is going to have over a season. He was like laughing at the idea of that. Because it's silly because there's so many variables and stuff. And it's like that's how that gets construed. You know, has he said the most glowing things generally about analytics in his career? No. But he's also is a man who can change. You know, coaches develop too. He's going to be on Frank Vogel's staff. And Frank Vogel is very vocal about analytics. And, you know, it's just like it's so unobjectionable. You know, like, (laughs) let's just, let's just give it a chance and wait and see what happens. Like, I don't recall the last team that had two former head coaches who had led multiple teams or, you know, multiple seasons of playoff experience under both of their belts. Both like neither of them. I mean, I don't know who the quote unquote lead assistant is by all reports. It was like, there isn't going to be a lead assistant. Everybody assumed, Oh, kids, the lead assistant. Cause he was a former head coach, but we have two former head coaches now, you know, who have both equally had, you know, a decent amount of success, maybe Lionel Holland slightly more back in the day. But, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just not that big of a deal. Calm down. Yeah, and we haven't even heard him speak yet. We don't know what he's going to say. He also hasn't been hired as a head coach for however many years at this point, right? If we're giving Frank Vogel credit for taking time off and learning what he did wrong, why can't the same be applied to Lionel Hollins? And we haven't heard him speak in person to let us know what he's been working on, you know, during his time off and what he's been reflecting on. I'd assume that he's probably come around to analytics. With that said, we'll leave it there. Yay, our assistant coaching staff is rounding rounding out. For the Lakers right now, they obviously don't deserve the benefit of the doubt at this point. But for some fans, it's like, you just can't win, right? You know, Luke Walton has his beer pong buddies, and the Lakers are doing the exact opposite, and fans are still not happy. But that is the world we live in. That is the Twitter echo chamber. I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach, and don't construe that to me, and I'm giving the Lakers the benefit of the doubt. Um, before we get to my interview with Sam Bassini, Tommy, I have a NBA draft conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy angle, but it's like a theoretical slash hypothetical rationale that could maybe come into play for the New Orleans Pelicans that I'll throw out to you. Usually it's the other way around and you have like a very uh, intricate and detailed house of cards type scheme going on. But uh, I'm going to flip the tables around for you today. You ready for this? Yes. I'm titling this. (laughs) This sounds so stupid as I'm about to read it, but let me explain. I'm titling this. Why New Orleans may prefer the number four pick over the number three pick. (laughs) What? (laughs) All right, here we go. As we all know, the Knicks have the number three pick. And number one is going to be Zion. Number two is going to be Morant. And number three is almost... I mean, the Knicks are being peer pressured at this point to pick RJ Barrett, right? And if I'm the New Orleans Pelicans and let's say it enters their mind or crosses their mind that they actually don't like R.J. Barrett as a prospect and they actually prefer Jarrett Culver, if they take the Knicks package, the number three along with that, because of the Zion relationship and the Zion effect and also just the, I don't want to call it peer pressure, but you guys know what I'm talking about, but just the pressure to take R.J. Barrett I feel like even optically, it's hard, it'll be hard for the New Orleans Pelicans, even if they liked another prospect like Jarrett Culver, to take that guy over R.J. Barrett. And so, in my opinion, and then also, obviously, people are going to expect them to pair Zion Williamson with R.J. Barrett. But I'm sure there's someone in the New Orleans organization that maybe favors a Jarrett Culver over R.J. Barrett and maybe is even thinking long term about, is it really a good idea to put R.J. and Zion back together? I know they're best buds, but will that really extract the best out of both guys? Maybe they'll feel too comfortable with each other. Maybe we just want to take a different route to this in how we develop Zion, you know? Um, And also, I didn't like the way that R.J. handled the ball most of the time when uh, Zion was at Duke. So I'm sure there's someone in that organization thinking that. But they know if they get the Knicks package and trade for the number three pick, they'll have essentially no choice but to pick R.J. Barrett. But if they get the Lakers package and the number four pick, they're kind of free to pick Jarrett Culver 
without any repercussions of public backlash, repercussions from Zion's camp saying, why didn't you pick my BFF? And so in that scenario, it's a very uh, specific scenario and it's probably very minuscule, probably accounts very minusculely to the calculus of, you know, the entire New Orleans organization. But I think it could exist. And if someone is thinking that, if hell, if David Griffin is thinking that, he may save himself some trouble by just foregoing the number three pick and taking the Lakers package in general. And it may just be a side benefit. Maybe he likes the Lakers package because of Brandon Ingram or Lonzo Ball, but, you know, maybe that this this angle that I'm bringing up pushes it over the edge because he doesn't have to deal with the number three pick pressure of picking R.J. Barrett. What do you think of that? I I just don't buy that one, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean... It's a fair it's a fair point. I just feel like David Griffin is an experienced executive and he has Zion locked in for like a minimum of 8 years anyway. I just don't think that he would feel pressure from anyone for you know any other team, the media, his own player that he's going to draft. I don't think anybody would really make him feel pressure sure. to take RJ Barrett. So if the overall package, I don't think yeah, 3 and 4 are consecutive picks. So I don't know that necessarily if he's not you know, I don't know how high he is on RJ Barrett, but if he doesn't really care about, you know, who he gets at three or four, I, I just don't know that those are not going to, that one pick difference is not going to be the difference in, in who uh, he trades for, in my opinion. Sure. Or I guess just even the optics of it. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I tried. I tried. It's Taco Tuesday. What do you expect? Taco I don't even... Tuesday. <laughs> I don't know if this is actually coming out on Tuesday, but uh, <laughs> I guess with that said, we will turn it over to. A more substantial conversation with my uh, interview and discussion with Sam Vecini. Also, quick disclaimer, my audio is very low quality. It sounds like I'm underwater. I had to use a different method of recording my discussion with Sam Vecini since I was on the go, so apologies for that. It's a good conversation nonetheless, and obviously the most substantial stuff will be coming from Sam, so you don't need to worry about things on my end. And also, quick disclaimer, my conversation with Sam was recorded two days ago before the news hit that the Brooklyn Nets traded away Alan Crabb and two first-rounders to get off of his salary, clearing the way for potentially two max players and Kyrie Irving. So uh, there are a few tidbits in there that obviously don't apply anymore. I think I throw out a Nets deal that involves their number 17 pick. So obviously you can disregard those segments. But otherwise, everything else should still be very relevant to all the recent speculation and buzz swirling around trades, free agency, the draft and all that jazz. So yeah, with that said, a word from our sponsor, and then shortly after that, Sam Vecini. All right, tonight we're pleased to welcome Sam Vecini, formerly of CBS Sports, now part of The Athletic and the host of the Game Theory podcast. Sam covers college basketball, the NBA draft, and the NBA at large. Uh, Sam, thanks for hopping on. This is obviously the busiest time of the year for you. Can you count or keep track of the number of podcasts and radio hits you end up doing during this period? <laughs> oh no i stopped keeping count it becomes you know between radio hits podcasts we're talking good at least four a day um nah man i mean you're shouting out cbs you've been you've been with it from the jump apparently <laughs> so uh no i appreciate you having me on man absolutely you should start a spreadsheet <laughs> google docs <laughs> uh, i have too many spreadsheets i got oh, i got I'm spreadsheets sure where I got like I got scouting reports for players, for NBA players, for college players, for international players, for contacts, for you know executives. Like I've got I got too many spreadsheets, man. No, I'm sure, I'm sure. All right, well, let's get right down into it because I know your time is uh, is short and I don't want to waste your time. But um, there's a lot of stuff going on right now in the NBA leading up to the draft, and news and rumors are changing every day. We're not sure what's real, what's a leverage play, and whatnot, but as someone who hosts a podcast for yourself, it's really tricky this time of the year to even try and queue up episodes <laughs> because, you know, the episode that you recorded last night could be old news the next day. So uh, we'll just go off of what we know right now. Let's just talk some Anthony Davis trade speculation. Given how some of the prevailing murmurs have sort of shifted recently on this front, regardless of whether or not they're leverage plays and whether or not there's some reality to the fact that Griffin may simply be experiencing a dampened trade market out there with uh, Boston maybe bowing out of the race. 
Where do you think things stand right now with regards to the Anthony Davis trade landscape? And, you know, the recent rumors out of The Athletic is Griffin is actually now talking to teams. But in your mind, where do you think the landscape stands right now? Well, I think everything at this time of the year for, you know, teams that are not in the NBA finals is a leverage play, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. No matter what is happening. Sure. uh, Someone is trying to get leverage, be it David Griffin, be it Rich Paul, be it Anthony Davis himself, be it the Los Angeles Lakers, the New York Knicks, the Clippers, the Nets, you know, whoever. Uh, everyone's trying to get leverage in some way. And I kind of just continue to look at this from a logical perspective and say, hey, we don't necessarily have uh, enough intel yet to believe anything other than the fact that anthony davis is going to be moved at some point here this summer i think uh Mm -hmm. david griffin has done his best to try and you know convince anthony to stay from all reports it seems like anthony davis is not swayed by the fact that he can sign a supermax extension and prefers to move on with his career So uh, just given that that is the landscape at this stage, I think that the Pelicans have to uh, move forward and look for a deal and try and figure out what deal they like best. Because, look, we can hem and haw at the end of the day on what deal is best, right? Do the Lakers have the best offer? Do the Knicks have the best offer? Can the Nets put together the best offer? Does Trajan Langdon getting hired in New Orleans somehow, you know, point to this shift in terms of them thinking the Nets has have the best offer? Uh, you know, David Griffin, you know, worked with Trent Redden in Cleveland. Could the Clippers and that relationship lead to uh, the best offer? Like, at the end of the day, teams are going to put forth everything they have to for Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis is one of the five best players in the NBA, in my opinion, maybe yep. you know six best players in the NBA. And uh, we'll see where it goes. Reasonable minds can differ, I think, on what offer is best. And ultimately, the only mind that really matters here is David Griffin. Does David Definitely. Griffin believe that the... Brooklyn Nets offer is the best. Does he believe the Knicks offer is the best? Does he believe the Lakers offer is the best? I don't know. I mean, obviously Gail Benson will come into this mix somehow because ownership is always involved in deals of this magnitude. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think that there is still a lot to be played out. And the only thing that I feel confident saying is that I think Anthony Davis will be dealt. Uh, It's just Mm -hmm. a matter of when. So with regards to them sort of coming out and almost, you know, pressing the start button on this ticking time bomb. Do you think in any way that this may be a last ditch effort to see where Boston really is and to see whether they're really serious in terms of, you know, figure it out. I mean, we're not going to wait for Kyrie Irving's decision. Let us know if you really are going to offer Tatum and Brown. And we want to do this by draft night because your picks in the 14, 20 and 22 range are going to be even less valuable if you actually make those picks. So... That's a complicated question in a lot of ways, obviously. Sure. Um, if I am Boston, and that's just kind of how I have to think about this right now, uh, because Danny Ainge is in many ways the things that uh, the things that Boston tends to do, the, the actual moves that Boston tends to ma- like tend to make, they tend to come from like things that haven't been leaked, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You can just look through their past history. The moves that they've made, uh, they aren't the ones that have necessarily been very public, right? Like the Kyrie Irving thing, it didn't come out of nowhere, but like it was uh, unexpected when in, you know, the deal that it happened for. Um, You know, we can talk about the fact that in free agency, we knew that Al Horford and Gordon Hayward, they were in the mix for both those guys. But I think it's a little bit different when it comes to trade leaks. I think that there is always something to the fact that David Griffin certainly wants to get Boston involved because at the end of the day, uh, I believe Boston can make the best offer by including mm-hmm. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and uh, you know the future picks that they have. The Memphis pick, for instance, they have three first-round picks this year. 
But at the end of the day, I'm not sure that Boston can really get involved in this until they know what Kyrie Irving is doing. I mean, maybe that's their pitch to Kyrie Irving. Maybe it's where, uh, maybe this is how they're going to say, hey, Kyrie, we're trying to bring in Anthony Davis. We're going to bring in Anthony Davis for you. Please stay. Um, But from what we know about Kyrie, I don't think we can feel any level of confidence about knowing what he's going to do. He is just an absolutely inscrutable human being that uh, (laughs) has certainly never done anything that is predictable. Yeah. Yeah. By the book. Right. So. I, I don't know. I mean, it'll be very interesting, I think, to see the way that this goes. I mean, I, at the again, like I, I just kind of believe that, you know, Griffin is handling this in the way that he believes uh, is best. He wanted to try and keep Anthony Davis. It seems like he has, you know, Anthony Davis has been unswayed by the overtures of David Griffin. And now we're at a place where he has to start listening. And I, I don't know that... Uh, you know, this, you know, report from Shams is a move where he's trying to reach out and, you know, convince everyone. But I, I think that, you know, it, it is a salvo to say, hey, I'm we're open for business. Let's mm-hmm. chat about this. You know, I, I don't know that it's any to anyone specific because the best way to get the best offer is to cast as wide a net as possible. Sure. And I guess a follow up question to that. And I know you said it's hard to know when exactly it's going to happen. But right now, in June, early June, what does your gut tell you with regards to do you think New Orleans has this sense of urgency to get a deal agreed to, at least in principle on draft day, so that they can, quote unquote, pick their guy at number three or number four, or if they're dealing with the Celtics, you know, number 14 and the other later first round picks they have? Also keeping in mind that they might want to involve a third-team facilitator, so that gets even more complicated if they don't facilitate a trade in principle on draft day. So for you, do you think that there is a real sense of urgency to get things done sooner rather than later? Or is Boston always... I mean, obviously Griffin wants to have Boston in play, but how believable do you think it is at this point that he's ready to, I guess, move on with the other options? So... Just looking at the way that David Griffin tends to do business, he tends not to do things in a rushed manner. Sure. Also, you have to look at the fact that, like, if he does believe that the Knicks, you know, have the best offer because he is really high on, for instance, R.J. Barrett or something like that, the Knicks can't make this deal until after free agency, right? So, like, they just can't get all three of Anthony Davis you know, in two max free agents until they have uh, the two max free agents in tow already, just because of, you know, collective bargaining agreement rules in regard to the salary cap. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's one team that's that would be out until the, you know, uh, until the deal can be done. Uh, Then you look at, the fact that the Celtics probably want a little bit more clarity. Uh, the Clippers probably want a little bit more clarity. Cause I think honestly, I think the Clippers aren't really talked about enough in this. Like I think yeah. that they have a very real package to offer. Um, you look at the nets. I think that they would probably like a little bit more clarity in regard to where their situation is now. So I, I'm looking at this thinking that it's possible that there's a draft day deal, but I I don't know that I would feel confident saying like, you know, David Griffin, you know, feels like he needs to get this done by draft day just because he tends to be someone that is very, uh, methodical, methodical patient and just kind of lets the board play out until he gets what he feels he needs. He's not going to do this, uh, at any other pace, but his own. Sure. Like he's not going to be on the league's timeline. He's going to be on David Griffin's timeline and he's going to do what he feels is best. Now you can correct me if I'm wrong, but can't the Knicks technically agree to a trade in principle and then make their cap moves and then officially execute it after those 
cap moves have been made? Because I think their, their situation is uh, pretty similar to the Lakers, where we have LeBron James, they have Kevin Durant, quote-unquote, penciled in, and they just have to figure out the order of operations with which they, one, sign a free agent and then execute a trade, but can't they technically also just do a handshake agreement on draft day and then execute it later? They could, but the draft falling early this year Mm -hmm. uh, on June 20th gives it 10 days, basically, until... You know, Kevin Durant can actually sign on the dotted line and a lot can happen in 10 days in the NBA. Sure. <laughs> and the Knicks, you know, they, they could theoretically do that. You're right. They could just say, hey, we're going to do this. But, you know, based off border of operations, we can't do it yet. My bet is that that would or let me rephrase. That would be an incredible risk to take because the key difference between the Lakers and the Knicks in this scenario is that LeBron James, he is on this roster in permanent (laughs) marker right now with the Lakers, whereas Kevin Durant is, like you said, penciled in or whatever we want to call it. Like, I I don't think it's that certain that he goes to New York. Like, I people that I talk to seem to think that there's still going to be a decision to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's not like a guaranteed certainty he goes to New York, but uh, certainly they're on the list and there is a very real chance he ends up there. Um, so at the end of the day, I, I just can't really, uh, it would be a big risk for New York to do this. And honestly, it could be a big risk for uh the Pelicans, like if the Knicks back out of that deal and then they can't end up with another one. So uh, that is commensurate in value. So I I would, I I would think that if a deal is done, it would be a wait and see type of scenario. And also if a deal is done, like, like in that scenario, in that way, wouldn't that also lend everyone to pretty much conjecture that, Oh, they have Kevin Durant in the bag. Yeah, and the other part of that is like uh, that deal would get out. I mean, a deal of that magnitude, uh, you know, Shams, Woj, everyone else who does reporting across the NBA, Sam Amick, our uh, great website, The Athletic, (laughs) like these, everyone who does this would have a great feel, I think, for Mm -hmm. this actually happening. And thus would it would become public in some manner i would think and that would probably throw things off a little bit sure all right well let's get to the lakers in terms of the package that they can assemble obviously everybody knows about the lakers tax that regardless of what the market is uh presenting the pelicans the pelicans will always want more from the lakers at this juncture do you think that la or maybe even griffin that it'll take the entire godfather offer plus the number four pick, which, you know, jumped from 11 to number four. Do you think it'll take number four, Cal Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, future firsts to get a deal done? Um, Or can the Lakers at this point maybe somehow keep a Cal Kuzma or, or a Josh Hart? I don't think they would be able to keep Kuzma. Um, I don't think, I think the only one that I can, I think it would take everything. I'll just okay. say that. I, sure. I think it would take everything uh, in terms of their young pieces because my, so the Knicks have the number three overall pick now and they have Dennis Smith. So you can offer Dennis Smith and, you know, let's call it RJ Barrett. To me, I would rather have Dennis Smith and RJ Barrett than Lonzo ball and Brandon Ingram personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether or not David Griffin agrees with that is, I think, very up for debate. Uh, I, I would personally rather have that group just because or that duo. So I think that to top that offer and to top some of the other things that the Knicks can throw in future first round picks from Dallas, from the Christoph Porzingis deal, Kevin Knox has some value at the very least. Uh, you know, I think that people are still very mixed on him around the NBA. Um Maybe Frank Milikina has like a second round picks worth of value in there. At the end of the day, the Knicks can sell out and use everything in their tool chest to try and get Anthony Davis. And I think that in turn, that's enough to make the Lakers sell out and use everything in their tool chest to get sure. Anthony Davis. So uh, at the end of the day, like it, it's just going to, I think that there's just enough leverage from teams around the league to make the Lakers have to offer everything. Sure. 
And do you think that it'll be a direct like team to team trade? I know it's hard to tell, obviously, but with regards to, let's say, I've heard the Pelicans also really covet the number two pick and the number two pick is the one asset that they currently don't have direct access to because Memphis obviously has no interest in taking on Anthony Davis. So would a scenario ever occur where New Orleans is like, well, get the number two pick first and then we can talk? Um, there's probably like, those are scenarios out there. Like all of this is just so speculative, right? Sure. Like, um, I, I can foresee a circumstance like that. Uh, I can foresee a circumstance like, uh, where the Pelicans go, Hey, we're not real interested necessarily in, let's just throw out a name, Brandon Ingram, right? Mm-hmm. Like we would prefer another player. So, we have to find a way to reroute Brandon Ingram onward somewhere else. Or Lonzo Ball doesn't want to play in New Orleans for whatever reason, even though Zion Williamson is here now. So we need to uh, figure out a way to reroute Lonzo Ball somewhere else, right? So like, there are all those avenues, I think, that exist that... I think there's probably, if it's the Lakers, a realistic chance it's a three-team deal of some mm-hmm. sort. You know, they're probably like there's just there's just a lot there that makes me think that there probably need to be just some rerouting of players to sure. different locations. But uh, you know, I think that all of those. David Griffin is one of the most creative uh, trade minds in the NBA, so I, I would envision right. that he's thinking through all of these scenarios. He has an idea of what he wants and what his favorite outcome is here. And he'll probably just go about every single avenue to try and get that favorite outcome. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess just for general discussion, what do you think it'll take to get the number two pick or AKA John Morant at this point? Let's say if the Lakers needed to do that to get a deal done, do you think number four and throwing in a Brandon Ingram would do it? Or are the Grizzlies wary of having to pay Brandon Ingram in a year? Yeah, I I mean, I I have not necessarily heard that that's a thing that's even on the table at this stage. So, like, uh, (laughs) I I would – I find it personally hard to believe that the Grizzlies would deal the number two pick unless it was an offer that just totally blew them over and Mm -hmm. blew the, you know, number two pick and John Morant out of the water in terms of value. So I'd be I'd be pretty surprised if number two ends up trading hands. But, I, I you know, weirder things have happened on draft day for sure. <laughs> sure. Um, now, with regards to the likelihood that the Lakers trade this pick, in your own personal opinion right now, do you think that they're trading it for an Anthony Davis? Or if Griffin, like you said, prefers even the New York package over L.A.'s package, do you think then the Lakers will maybe pivot to trying to get a Bradley Beal. Like, where do you stand in terms of, like, the likelihood that the Lakers still trade this pick? Because for me, it drops significantly after Anthony Davis and Bradley Beal are off the table, obviously because of salary cap implications, and then the Lakers have to use some some of their max cap space. But yeah, for you, like, how do you rank the likelihood that they get AD and then pivot to Beal? And then it, does your percentage drop as well in terms of, well, what are they going to do with that pick now? Yeah, I would think that... They probably, those are certainly the two targets that they look at first in something like this. Um, I mean, like, is it possible that the 76ers resign everyone and then try to like think for whatever reason, Hey, maybe we need to retool around Joel and Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris, and we can use Ben Simmons to try and get a ton of value that can add to depth across our roster. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think that that scenario is impossible. You mean the Lakers taking on Ben Simmons? Yeah. A clutch client? (laughs) Right. So, and like, you know, Ben's contract situation is obviously coming up next year. Mm -hmm. So that will be a talking point. Um, You know, just like trying to think of other players that fit even is kind of difficult. The funniest one that's possible that like, is out there is D'Angelo Russell's like a restricted free agent. It <laughs> sure. would just be the funniest thing in the world to me if they would try and get D'Angelo, but I can't imagine that that's something that is on the table at all for mm-hmm. uh, the Lakers, just given the way that that uh, relationship ended, we will say. Yeah. Um, I mean, in regard to other trade candidates, like 
I wouldn't want to move much value for like an Andre Drummond yeah. or uh, like I'm trying to think a guy like I think Danilo Gallinari could help the Lakers a little bit. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think at that point it would be more like if the Lakers strike out in free agency, then they could use their cap space to then take on some of these players. Yeah, like you're not moving the fourth pick for Gallinari or something yeah. like that. Um, so yeah, like I think that you're probably right that after the fourth pick or after, you know, Davis, Beal, you could maybe like throw in a couple of other bigger names that are highly unlikely to be dealt. Like the the interesting one for me that's just like kind of floating out there remains Aaron Gordon. Mm-hmm. Um like I would personally probably move the number four pick in this draft for Aaron Gordon, but I don't know that that's necessarily a pervasive opinion around sure. the league. And then you have questions of what is his fit with the Lakers around LeBron James. It's probably not perfect. So like, yeah, I mean, I'm probably with you that just kind of talking through it here, the fourth pick probably then I don't want to say it's off the table, but it's unlikely to be dealt maybe. Yeah, and and I think it's just like a tricky situation and line to toe where the Lakers, you know, in the best case scenario, they're trying to have their cake and eat it too in terms of using up all their cap space and maybe signing a max guy and preserving that space. Otherwise, okay, well, let's say that the Lakers are able to sign like a Jimmy Butler or even they use their max cap space on a Chris Middleton, right? He uses his player option. At that point, the Lakers are capped out. And in order to trade that number four pick, they're going to have to start stacking on contracts, right? To find a player that's making... Because whoever they flip that pick for, if if it's an actual good player, they're not only going to be making $7 million, right? So then you have to then add on like Brandon Ingram. And then is the number four pick in Brandon Ingram good enough for whoever is making 14 to $15 million out there? At that point, it's like not worth it anymore. Um, so it's like really tricky to even find a trade if it's not for Bradley Beal or Anthony Davis, if the Lakers are able to sign their max cap space and succeed, relatively su- succeed in that area. After that, you know, then you, then you get into the matching salary situation, right? And it's, it doesn't make sense for the Lakers to give their godfather offer to someone not named Anthony Davis at that point. Um, I do have some options and I threw some out to Cole before of some players that only make around $7 million, $8 million. And we can do a quick fire on this and you tell me whether you would do it or not. If like the Lakers wanted to just trade the number four pick straight up. And in this scenario, it wouldn't necessarily harm their chances of still being able to sign a seven to nine year max. Would you do it for any one of these five players? This is the number four pick just straight up. Straight up. Yeah. Um, Okay. Robert Covington. No. Okay. Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Sacramento Kings. No. Okay. Joe Harris. Let's say Joe Harris in the number 17 pick. Still not enough? Still not enough for me because Joe Harris is an unrestricted free agent after this right. year. Uh, Josh Richardson. Hmm. <laughs> That's closer. Yeah. Yes. I think I would actually for Josh. I am a okay. fan of Josh. So, yeah, but but I mean, I do this exercise because it's really hard to even find, you know, someone making that range of money who's actually good that the Lakers could, you know, just flip and still keep into consideration and preserve their, you know, max cap space. But, yeah, it's it's a tricky situation. They they have to do a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of uh, permutations going around with what Rob Palenka has to deal with. Um, so I guess it's gut check time. What What do you think with regards to? the Lakers being able to pull off an Anthony Davis or Bradley Beal trade? It's a fair question. What do I think? I think that they are very much... So everyone kind of laughed at the offer uh, like in during the trade deadline, right? Like it seemed like people dismissed the Lakers offer, right? Mm-hmm. Like is that, is that how it felt like to you? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't agree with that. Like I think that they're very much in the mix. Uh, I think that they can make a very real offer. It's all going to come down to how does David Griffin value these players who I think, A, just realistically given what we've seen from some young players like Julius Randle and D'Angelo Russell, who have been high draft picks that have left the Lakers, uh, may have been misutilized in some way or may have maybe not been developed to their furthest extent while playing for the Lakers. 
does David Griffin believe that there is some sort of outcome out there for those guys that uh, is higher than what we've seen from them while playing for the Lakers so far? If that answer is yes, I think that they have a very real case. They have the best offer on the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, If he doesn't believe that, then personally, I believe that the, Knicks can probably offer something a little bit better just because they can offer number three, two future Dallas picks, a future pick of their own and Dennis Smith and Kevin Knox, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. just a ridiculous number of picks. I think Boston, if they decide to get involved, can certainly top everyone's offer. Um, I think the Clippers seriously, like they can throw out there, two future Philadelphia picks, Shea Gilgis Alexander, a couple picks of their own, Montrez Harrell, um, Landry Shamit. Like that's not an offer that is laughable to me. The Brooklyn Nets, uh, Karis Levert is certainly a very high end asset that I would be uh, very intrigued by if I was the new Orleans Pelicans. Um, you know, could you do Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jarrett Allen, uh, 17, what do they have, 29, 28, something like that? Yeah, something like that. 27. Um, those four guys, if you think Karis LeVert is the best asset in any of these potential permutations, which I think that there's a real chance of that. Um, I, I'm sorry to be so, like, no, you know, no. about it, but I think there is a chance that like David Griffin could look at Karis LeVert and be like, I'd probably rather have him than Jason Tatum. I would personally rather have Jason Tatum, but like, I don't think it's impossible to look at those two and say, I'd rather have one or the other. Um, and then like the Celtics only offer Jason Tatum or something like that. Like, I think that all of these worlds exist where it's very possible, uh, but the Lakers offer is not laughable to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you believe that someone like Jarrett Culver or Darius Garland is a guy that you want, plus you believe in some untapped upside from Lonzo Ball or Brandon Ingram, or you believe that you could reroute Brandon Ingram to another team for like two future first round picks or something like that. Like, I think that there's a real world out there where this makes a lot of sense to me uh, on every account where the Lakers will be genuinely involved. Right. So, you know, having gone through like all these different permutations and running down the list of all these scenarios, let's say the Lakers are left out to dry and David Griffin sends uh, Anthony Davis off to Brooklyn or New York and the Lakers have to make their pick at number four to close this show. I mean, let's just talk about the draft. Um, From what you're hearing, the consensus top three is pretty much solidified, right? It's Zion, uh, Morant and Barrett. Is that right? The, The top two are pretty certain. Mm-hmm. The Knicks are a bit of a wild card right now because they also just generally might not keep their pick. Right. Um, the rumors about them like looking into trade down scenarios from what I understand are pretty like real and mm-hmm. uh, they are considering such things. Um, nothing is off the table for them is basically the best way to put it. Sure. Uh, assuming they keep the pick, I would imagine it's RJ Barrett. Uh, and then at four, you're looking at one of, in my opinion, Darius Garland, uh, Jarrett Culver, DeAndre Hunter. Personally, the guy that I would take that I think is the best fit with LeBron James and with some of these other guys, especially considering the free agency market, um, it's real tough. <laughs> uh I would say that I would probably take Jarrett Culver. Mm-hmm. Um, I have personally DeAndre Hunter, like a little bit higher on my like board in a vacuum. Oh, okay. But I just think that Jarrett is ridiculously good also. And I think that he's a little bit better of a shooter than DeAndre, despite what the percentages say. Uh, he can get to his pull up. His release is a little bit quicker. There, there's just a lot to believe there in the jump shot, really figuring itself out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that 
having a secondary creator who can also knock down shots would be very beneficial to have around LeBron James if they decide to keep the pick. And then also, he's a guy on the wing that has already played a secondary role as a freshman in college, would be comfortable doing so in the NBA, would be a very good fit next to any of Jimmy Butler, any of Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, you know, free agent, you want to name, whatever. If you drafted Darius Garland, you know, Darius Garland's probably not the best fit with a Kyrie Irving with a Kemba Walker. So maybe you have intel that you're not getting those guys. Maybe you have intel you're getting Jimmy Butler. If you're getting Jimmy Butler, maybe you can make the case for taking Darius Garland. Um, if you're looking purely for the guy that I think is going to come in next year and have the most impact because you're trying to open your window widest mm-hmm. while you have LeBron James in these next three years, I think that you take DeAndre Hunter because he is the most ready of that trio to come in immediately and play. Uh, He's going to be a terrific, terrific defender. I think he will knock down shots at a reasonable clip from the corners early, and hopefully you can move him above the break. Uh, I I think you can make a case for all three people. I talked to around the league, and this is something I'm writing for Thursday. Genuinely don't know what the Lakers are going to (laughs) do. Like there is no consensus in terms of like I've asked, a lot of people around the league, what they think the Lakers are going to do. And no one knows. So like, you know what? Maybe, maybe front office turmoil and messiness has its benefits because sure. uh, genuinely no one has any idea what's going to happen. No, I mean, they've kept a tight lid on even all of their workouts. The first time we heard they even scheduled a workout was with Jared Culver. And that was the first time the media was allowed to actually come in. So it is very interesting. Um, And it's also interesting to me that you would still say Culver, given what you outlined for the pros and benefits of DeAndre Hunter, with him not only being at the top of your board, but also being more NBA ready for LeBron. Do you have Jared Culver over him just because of potential retaining potential trade value even after they make that pick? No, uh, I think Jared probably would have a little bit more of that. But I think it's more about keeping all of the options open uh, in free agency. Okay, I see what you're saying. Because again, because the draft falls 10 days before free agency, it's very weird this year. I don't really have like a great feel for how this is all going to go down, basically. Uh, Typically, it's like four days and then you have free agency and these things can like be pretty hashed out by then 10 days is a long time because like i would bet that kevin durant will probably go on like a mini vacation after the finals (laughs) right so if kevin durant does something like that and no one like really knows what's going on with him on draft night then you're in a circumstance where basically the entire marketplace is being held hostage because Kevin is very clearly the biggest domino. And, and, you know, you could say the same thing with Kawhi Leonard, right? Like Kawhi Leonard. I mean, if you know what's going on with, if anyone knows what's going on with Kawhi Leonard, like please inform people around the NBA because nobody knows uh, what his final decision is going to be. Like people seem to think the Clippers are the favorite, but, look, I can't really sit here and tell you that I think that's like definitely going to happen. Um, it's just like a mess all over the place. Sure. And, and I guess a, it's a fun yeah. thing, but it's just like a lot. No, definitely. And I think to summarize your point, you're just basically saying that Culver is the most malleable and versatile, regardless of what option they decide to go with. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like he's, it's just the one that makes he fits around everything basically. So yeah, uh, malleable is definitely the right word. Now, what about if the Knicks for some reason do not take RJ Barrett? What do the Lakers do then? Take do they Barrett. Just take RJ Barrett? Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, I think RJ, I think people around the NBA and this is like an NBA wide thing. This is not a, uh, like internet thing. Um, people in the NBA, I think have been, and smart people that like I talk to and think are very, very smart and intelligent uh, have been very quick to anoint Ja Morant as the number two guy. Uh, I think that RJ has a very real case at that. If you believe in the jump shot translating at some point and you believe in his work ethic uh, at the level that I personally do, I mean, that dude just never stops uh just working. He's an unbelievable worker. Uh, and I think at some point he's going to 
just figure it out and become a high level shooter. This year, he really, really got to the point where he gets to his pull up jumper uh, from all three levels, or realistically from the outer two levels, and then could get all the way to the basket with uh, a pretty solid handle and strength and power. Um, I think he's a better athlete than what he gets credit for as well. So I just look at this and say, uh, at the end of the day, I, I would no questions asked take RJ Barrett at number four if he falls to number four, much in the same way that. Uh, I would have taken Jason Tatum at number two in that draft as well. So like, I think people are just overthinking this a little bit. Sure. That makes sense. Now, this is my personal question, but what separates RJ Barrett? And we can do this really quickly from an Andrew Wiggins. Sure. Uh, I think he's much better at getting to his pull up jumper. Okay. Uh, I think he is. It, it's a mentality thing though, just mm. straight up, uh, in every way. Uh, Andrew can certainly be pretty laissez-faire in right. regard to the way that he attacks things. RJ is nothing remotely close to that. Like to, to me, it's, and I, I'm not saying that you're necessarily doing this. You're not comparing them. You're just asking a question. Yeah. Um, I've heard people actually compare the two. And I think it's an incredibly lazy comparison based mm-hmm. off of uh, basically just a lack of Intel on who these people are sure. as, human beings um you know rj is an alpha wants to be the guy uh never stops working never leaves the gym like that kind of guy andrew's just not really that andrew is like a freak show athlete who whose skill game just hasn't really come along outside of that spin move rj is a guy that is based on a little bit more strength uh based on a little bit more change of pace based on being able to get to his pull-up jumper um I get the like efficiency and stat based comparisons a little bit, I guess. But if you watch them play, they're really not similar at all. Right. No, that makes sense. And intangibles are everything in the league and whether or not someone makes it. Uh, with that said, Sam, thank you so much for taking time out to fit me into your busy, busy schedule. Um, before we leave, if you just want to plug any of your work that's coming up and any f- special shows or guests you have coming on your show, uh, please go ahead and do so. Yeah, no, I'll have um, a mock draft coming on Thursday at The Athletic. And then additionally, uh, I will uh, have a podcast coming out tomorrow. So just go on ahead and listen for that, and we'll be in good shape. Uh, Sam, needless to say, you're expecting fireworks at the draft this year, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be the most ridiculous thing Oof. I can think. Like the uh, Just the sheer amount of teams that are like open to trading their pick is going to lead to a lot of uncertainty, even in regard to order before we throw in the fact that, uh, all of these prospects, once you get beyond the top three are very lumped together. So, uh, it's, it's just going to be an insane, insane deal. I think the new lottery odds and the, the new lottery that we had, it was pretty much a microcosm of things to come for the draft and free agency. So, We will buckle up in the meantime. (laughs) All right, Sam, thank you so much for hopping on and we'll catch you later. Yep, thanks. All right, guys, that'll do it for this episode. We want to thank Sam Vecini again for taking time out of his busy schedule to fit us in to all of the NBA talk that he's been making the rounds for and all these different podcasts and radio shows. As usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes. That really helps us out during this time when we're working overtime to crank out these episodes and make sure that when big news hits, we're there to cover it the next day. And also just working around the clock to get these really insightful guests on to help us get through this NBA silly season. And we'd really appreciate if you could show your appreciation by doing us a solid going on your iPhone. Uh, If you use the podcast app, just looking up Lakers Legacy on the search bar, giving your thumb a little workout, and uh, yeah, just clicking that five-star button or even writing up a little review. That really helps us out a lot to let us know that you're listening and that, you know, for me personally, it just helps motivate me to keep pumping out this content and making sure it's, uh, you know, at the very least, pretty solid quality content for you guys. So uh, with that said, we'll have another episode next week uh, and we'll see where all of this ends up unfolding. Um, yeah, we'll catch you guys next time. Later.
MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.